Welcome to this episode of Shonen Flop, where we talk about manga series and Shonen Jump that didn't make it big. I'm David. I'm Jordan. And this week, we're talking about Hell Warden and Haguma. And we're joined by our guest today, comedian Zane uh, Golia. Is that, is that right? Sorry. Golia, Golia. Yeah, whatever. That's great. <laughs> great to be here, guys. I also want for the record when I asked Zane how he would like to be addressed on the show, he said, please call me comedian. <laughs> for the record, I misunderstood <laughs> the question. This is our Watchmen-inspired episode. I was just going to say it. I'm embarrassed calling myself a comedian. <laughs> Zane the Joker. We live in a society. How'd you get those scars, Zane? <laughs> By being Rorschach? Guys, I don't know many of these references. <laughs> Guys, listen, Zane is a little too famous to read comics. Oh my god. And then on that note, Zane, do you mind giving the audience a little bit of a 30-second spiel about who you are? Yeah, I was the comedian, as you know, that's my proper uh, greeting. In Brooklyn for a while during the pandemic, I now live in Buffalo for the time period. Oh. Now I just hang out uh, on unemployment, trying to write screenplays and stuff for, the, for right now. It's great to be here. Great to have a purpose, guys. Thank you. Oh, I feel that so hard, man. I totally relate. <laughs> I feel like, Zane, you were so close to saying, it's great to be here, but that's like Alex Patak's catchphrase, and you were like, oh, that son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, he would know. He would find out. Yeah, I can't, can't do a friend like that. Yeah. He was a great guest on probably, I would say, the most infamous series we ever covered, Tokyo Shinobi Squad. Oh, yeah. That was a series about uh, how globalization is destroying Japan. And there was terrorist town. Interesting. <laughs> An entire town where everybody in the town is a terrorist, and it was amazing. And Sia and Mr. T show up as bad guys. Yeah. <laughs> oh my. Yeah, like literally. Are the terrorists the heroes, or? Oh no, no, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're, we're getting a little off traffic because we have a different manga to talk about. So why don't we get into the manga details? This series was created by Natsuki Hokami. I believe just got announced that he is going to be working on a spinoff of Demon Slayer, which is really interesting because that has definitely unquestionable influence. I actually was looking at the publishing dates this series actually kind of feels old. Like if you told me this came in like 2010, I would have believed you. But it came out in 2018 to go into December 17th, 2018 to July 16th, 2019. But I kind of thought this might have been like a Godspeed situation where it just felt like a ripoff when it came out first. But no, this Demon Slayer was very well established when this came out. I kind of see what you mean when you say that you think it's uh, older just because based on like the art style. I saw some Harry Potter in this. <laughs> A little bit of Buffy, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> oh, Buffy, definitely. <laughs> if you want to read a manga that's about Harry Potter, let me tell you about this series, Mashal, which we actually did a recommendation episode on. And uh, Mashal's made it, Jordan. They're having their first volume published in English. Hell yeah. Zane, Mashal is about like, so what if a guy went to Hogwarts, but he didn't actually have superpowers? He was just really buff and used his muscles to fake being magical. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of like a levitation spell, like there's a giant rock and they're like, you got to lift it. He just picks the rock up and that's how he passes <laughs> the test. So he just somehow has like incredible strength. It isn't somehow. We see many instances of him literally just pumping iron. Like he'll literally just be like lifting massive weights when he's all alone. It's great. When I read this series and he was doing front squats, I was like, all right, this guy is like serious about this weightlifting component to this series. Yeah, it seems like it's all about weightlifting. This, this oh, series. yeah. <laughs> if all wizardry just involves strength. 
we're more than happy to give you a list of shonen flop approved manga series for you to check out <laughs> i would love that maybe some bonus content we did phantom series and we just gave up talking about it and talked about how much we love this r series chainsaw man for about 20 minutes <laughs> oh you mean like every single other episode we ever do yeah sure why are you bringing up gomez already you guys never diverge right no ever Speaking of series length, and I know I really missed the boat when I first brought that up because that would have been a really good segue. This series was 22 chapters for three volumes, which Zane, for context, that is pretty much right on the money average runtime for the series we cover. Oh, yeah. So this is like spot on. You could not have a more explicitly like runtime for a series that got canceled. (laughs) Yeah. Than 22 chapters over three volumes. (laughs) Do you guys know if uh, if they like knew this was being canceled? Because it does kind of feel like they had to like rush a lot of the backstory and things like that. Yes. So in Shonen Jump, I believe, and I don't know if they've changed policy, they generally know three chapters ahead of time when they get canceled. So a lot of these series, the last three chapters, they just have a huge shift and then they just try and shotgun everything. This series was a little bit different, but we can really talk about that more once we've heard Jordan's awesome plot summary. So why don't we dive into that? Hundreds of years ago, there was a prison break in hell with demons escaping into the human world. These spirits are able to keep themselves from returning to hell by stealing the life force of living people. It's the job of 16-year-old Higama Kagarite and his family to send them back to hell. He is a hell warden, a supernatural cop tasked by the great king Enma with capturing fugitive spirits using his 10 disembodied sets of hands called Zaiju, taken from defeated ghosts. After helping a young girl named Ayaha Kuramine, exercise the demons affecting her and her brother, Ayaha joins as one of his squadron of helpers called Bonresha, which includes a chipper childhood friend of Higuma's named Kobata. After defeating a fugitive spirit, stealing the lives and memories of old people and a kitsune fox who makes mothers murder their children, Higuma reveals that he actually hates being a hell warden and is forced to do so because an ancestor of his helped the demons escape in the first place. As a result, his family is constantly hunted by a powerful spirit who controls molten copper named named, oh boy, uh, Shakifutsu Akagane, who killed Higuma's aunt and father. Higuma is confronted by Akagane, and while he seems to be outmatched, he is saved by two powerful spirits named Engetsu, who seems to be the mastermind behind the recent attacks, and Uen Kasaki, a masked girl who controls explosions. Two Hell Warden cousins show up to help Higuma, and the remaining three chapters are pretty much just conversations on the ethics of policing, more or less, and the situation of the system. So Zane, I just wanted to wait for Jordan to give his terrific plot summary. Thank you, Jordan, for reading and writing that as dictated my contract to always thank you when you do that. That's great. Thank you. This series was in particular, the offer just said, fuck you guys. I'm not resolving this plot yeah. too bad, <laughs> where they even had an epilogue chapter and he was like, yeah, we're just going to go to a summer festival and apply a bunch of things, but never show anything. So Zane, Jordan, maybe help me out with this. I would say a lot of the series usually take two different approaches when they get canceled. Yeah. The first is they shotgun the plot, usually with a time skip, and they resolve everything. So like Zip Man, they just had it where they just cut out a lot of plot and they beat up the main bad guy and that was it. Other ones, they'll have like a milestone that they create. So it feels like something was accomplished in this arc. And then they say, but the fight continues. Like Hungry Joker was like that where they beat up one of the big bad guys, but the biggest bad guy is unresolved and the last shot is them like getting ready to like assault his fortress that's sort of what this series does sort of but but then it has an epilogue and you'd expect okay well now the epilogue is where they're going to shotgun the remaining of the plot and then it just doesn't it like ignores that there's more plot to do i don't know was if that was necessarily the worst decision but i don't think it was the best you could tell it was very petty though (laughs) this e100 was like man that would have been really cool if i hadn't gotten canceled yeah (laughs) too bad fuck you guys (laughs) 
Here's like reading about apples for five pages. <laughs> I do feel like the purpose of the epilogue was to be like, well, I'll give the people what they want. We can finally go to the fireworks festival <laughs> that has been teased for chapters. That is true. He did miss that because he slept through it. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that was kind of like this red herring. They were like, kept talking about this. And not to give a, uh, like, too uh, obscure of a Simpsons reference, but it was very like, when are they going to get to the fireworks factory? Only it was literally <laughs> a festival. <laughs> I made a peak reference when I was in Denver and they were talking about going to the Cheesecake Factory. Yes. And I go, Cheesecake Factory, what are we, NBA players? And like three different people I was looked at me and said, <laughs> David, how did you know to make that reference? Because I don't do sports. Sports. <laughs> oh, that's pretty <laughs> right. Yeah, people are like, what the fuck? The Shonen podcast guy knows this really deep cut NBA joke. <laughs> so, for listeners, yeah, this goes over my head too. Basketball players love going to Cheesecake Factory because they have a very consistent and large menu. So it means that they know that what they're going to get and then they don't have to worry about anything. And it's high quality enough that you're not like treating your professional players to like Chipotle. I'm glad that you uh, explained that because Zane, one time David made me explain who Poochie from The Simpsons was. I would imagine your listeners know that. Right? (laughs) All right. All right. Speaking of explaining characters, let's dive into them. I'll start with the main character, uh, Higuma Kagarati. He is a slacker. He rates women's to his faces, which is a trait, though that's really only in the first chapter, but I thought that was really funny where he just called a girl like a six or something to her face. Oh, I don't even remember that. Magic Hands, he's a great grandson of the Het Priest. He doesn't really want to be a spirit cop, which actually would have been a better, a cooler name for this series. Yu Yu Hakusho already exists, David. Oh, spirit detective. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Fucking Yu Yu Hakusho ripoff spirit cop. <laughs> So his motivations, I never really understood him. He's just like, I don't want to be a cop, but I also don't not want to be a cop. So don't worry about it. Yeah. This series just didn't explain character motivation very competently. I kind of liked those issues he had because it definitely felt like um, he was struggling with it in a way that's interesting that you don't normally see in a lot of shonen series where it's like you have this character who's uh, you just kind of assume they have this very powerful sense of duty and stuff. But like, I thought it was interesting. how Higuma was like, I actually don't have a very strong sense of duty. I'm doing this because we're being hunted by this guy who's trying to kill us. But then, yeah, now you mentioned it. Yeah, there is also an aspect of it where it's like, I don't do this because I'm afraid I do this because it's my job. And yeah, I do agree. It is kind of hard to wrap your head around it sometimes. Yeah. Jordan, would you like to talk about the female main character? Ayaha Kuramine. Very brash. She has a strong sense of duty and justice, as they call it. The first time we see her, she is possessed by a spirit that makes her have kleptomania. We've all been there. That's what I told the cop last night. (laughs) But yeah, Higuma, first time they meet her, gets rid of the spirit that is causing her to do bad things, and then she can see ghosts all of a sudden. Yep. And then is immediately drafted into being a cop by King Edma? Yeah, he's like, yeah, she'll make a great cop, and puts like the cop stamp on her hand. <laughs> the king's just like, yeah, whatever, you're part of the group now. I've never seen a series so casually just have God as a main character before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, God is very chill in this. I think he's further down on the list, but, but Zane, would you actually like to talk about uh, King Edma? Yeah, so that's like the cool, chill cop or king. Yeah. He's the chief of police. I don't know. It is a little confusing where it feels like he kind of like makes all these rules and could change this at any time, but just like chooses not to. He can't change anything because his hands are tied. Hey, all his feet are tied. Oh. That is true, actually. He does have a chain. 
one of the reasons it's kind of hard to wrap your head around it is because he is based on like a very specific aspect of like um, of Japanese religion. Mm-hmm. So like if you were Japanese and more familiar with um, the Shinto religion and stuff, you probably would need as much explained to you. Like I'm still very iffy on that whole thing. But like King Enma is a character who shows up in like like a third of all anime, it feels like. Yeah. And Yu Yu Hakusho and Dragon Ball Z are the two that stood out to me as cases of him showing up. Like, literally, or, like, this, like, archetype is, like, part of the... Like, literally, King Enma. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, this is my intro. Oh. The big dude in Dragon Ball Z that, like, judges people when they die. He's, like, huge, and he has, like, the desk and stuff, and he sent Goku to Snake Way. Uh, okay. Yeah, I'm not deep on... <laughs> <laughs> I had no context, and I enjoyed it. It's totally fine, but there's a lot of things in anime that just, like, the equivalent would just be like, oh, hey, Jesus, what's up? <laughs> it's very interesting, and I really don't understand it that well. Mm-hmm. By the way, I feel like we might not have talked about Aiha as much, uh, just because I thought we had a good segue. So just to circle back, though, she is very smart and trope-savvy, so one of her defining characteristics is she kind of sits around and doesn't do anything except she, like, asks people questions after things happen about, like, why'd you do this? Why is the world like this? And then as we get into the answers they have are not always very satisfying, but it is interesting that she actually is kind of critically thinks about what is going on in the setting. It is, but it's also just like sometimes when that happens, it does feel like, you know, author, uh, I would have been cool if you didn't you didn't really need to answer that question. I don't know. When he spent like six pages talking about what type of toilet paper the main character uses, I thought that was a little unnecessary. And when he talked about which specific floating hands he uses in the bathroom, that was a little bit different. I was about to make that joke. That's why I love you. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> Got two fingers and he has a piece of toilet paper between the two hands. Oh, yeah. Yaha's, she's kind of like the audience surrogate, I feel like. Yes, yes. Like a human learning about this world. Which is a very common trope. Like Phantom Seer was all about it where, wow, this girl was exposed to this magical world and now she's a part of it and she's going to slowly learn to be integrated. See, one difference between this and uh, Phantom Seer that I respected was that there weren't a billion pages of Ayaha just bending in weird, awkward ways to give the camera a very clear shot of her ass. Yeah. <laughs> there was only one character that had like really giant boobs. It did seem pretty tasteful. I was thinking that too. I don't <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, to get back into it, let me talk about Akuya uh, Kobota, where he's like a ninja guy. Haguma casually tortures him with smoke torture. And he's kind of the dude who explains everything to Ayaha. So he's just like a ninja guy. He's invisible to normal people. Um, and he kind of sits and watches Haguma fight as well. Yeah. It's kind of like when Gohan during the Saiyan saga was watching people fight and how Piccolo was explaining shit to Gohan. I was a little confused. He is supposed to be a part of like a squad called Beresha. Yeah. And apparently they're invisible. So I was like, are they people or not? And apparently he's just a kid, like a normal person who I guess can turn invisible when he becomes like what what feels like a beat cop. You know, like it feels like Higuma is like a warden <laughs> and they're just like the cops on the street or whatever. But then it's like there are all these moments where Higuma is fighting. And when they first show up, there's a squad of them. But apparently after that, like the whole squad squad just disappeared or something so it's just kobata well they show up like once or twice in the background they just never talk to anyone else in the ninja squad much like cops they're just kind of around (laughs) yeah that's right (laughs) sorry that i had had to be raw out of nowhere we're gonna have to be careful (laughs) this episode's gonna be like a flashpoint But it's okay, Zayn, because on the last episode, uh, the mini episode we did about the first chapter, I literally called this series Fashy. So, you know. Oh, yes. Yeah, it puts the fashion in fashion. (laughs) 
We'll get into it. I have a lot of thoughts of bring, of like modern social movements to this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's try and zoom through this, though, because I think, Jordan, in the past, we've had very top heavy where we just fit everything in the character section because it's just hard not to relate. Well, we're top heavy here because there aren't that many titties in the manga. So we got to put it somewhere. <laughs> hey. hey. So I got banned from the bakery because I kept bringing my own cake. You know what nice. I mean? Uh, yeah. Anyway. Jordan, talk about the, uh, I guess, it's debatable who the big bad of the series is, but talk about Mr. M- the Molten Man. <laughs> the Molten Man. So, Shakafutsu Akagane. Wow. That was good. That was that was good. Thank you. Yeah. Like, he's clearly not supposed to be the big bad initially. Like, if this manga went on for a long period of time, he wouldn't have been the big bad. But just based on the 22 chapters, he is the most dangerous guy that they fight. He honestly looks a lot like Iguma, which I'm going to talk more about that when we talk about, like, where this was going. His whole thing is that for whatever reason, he shows up when each new member of their family is 10 years old and kills their parents, who are uh, Hell Wardens themselves. So what happens? happens in this series is that Akagane shows up and kills Higuma's father and his aunt and then decides to come for Higuma later. But his powers are he controls molten copper, which I think actually looks pretty sick the way that they do it. Mm -hmm. His eyes are like broken apart. They just turn into like these molten copper tears. I was like, that's sick. Yeah, he's always crying. Yeah. He's also always smiling just like Higuma is and he always seems very chill until he just shows up and just kills his motivations are very iffy because i'm pretty sure they were about to be expanded upon so the way that demons are defeated is if both their hands are cut off and his father cut off one of his hands yeah so he has like this critical weakness so there definitely would a really cool like climatic moment where he cuts the other hand off oh yeah yeah, so the last character to talk about is Angetsu, who is just so, like, uh, underdeveloped, just based on the amount of time that we had with them. But yeah, they're this uh, demon who appears as, like, this uh, big titty lady with um, a pipe who just smokes uh, some really dank kush that just makes everybody around her just, I don't really know, like, uh, possess them or, like, manipulate them? This was very confusing. <laughs> big smoke. Big smoke. <laughs> fucking getting that order at Cluck and Bell. How's that for a reference? <laughs> Whoa. That's a GTA San, San Andreas reference. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I didn't get it either. Are you cool? <laughs> but yeah, the smoke thing, I don't even know if I realized this was like a different character. Like, I think I still thought this was like one of the demons we already met. I was confused too, especially because the series did something twice where characters just suddenly switch genders and there's no explanation. I thought Big Smoke was a guy. Big Smoke was a girl, and then when she activated her powers, her boobs went away. Okay, that's why I was like, what? I don't know what it's really supposed to symbolize. I mean, Araki's done that. Araki did it when Shonen Jump told him he wasn't allowed to have a lesbian in the comics, so he had to make the love make the love interest a man. Like, in that situation, you weren't supposed to notice that the gender switched. In this one, I feel like you definitely were, because it happened one time before with um the Kitsune, the fox demon, uh. who was like a guy, and they only used, like, he pronouns to refer to him, and then suddenly when he was talking about his life as a human, apparently he was a woman, and so he got big tits. Yeah, I was like, where did those bazingas come from? I just chalked that up to like my poor reading comprehension. So I'm really glad that there was actually a reason for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's not on you. The series definitely had some issues. 
I mean, I'm reading in between the lines, Zane, based on like previous experience with yeah. manga and stuff. This no, I I yeah. really don't know the reason why that happened. I'm inferring a lot, except to just add tits. Yeah, I gotcha. Yeah, exactly. I also didn't know what the fuck her plan was, <laughs> besides do crime and be evil. I don't either. Right. Did we talk about the most important character, or maybe I missed it, which is a talking hot pot? Yeah. Oh, fuck. We skipped Roku. <laughs> a streaming service and... <laughs> <laughs> Literally, because he streams you places. I appreciate it doesn't actually float. It's just carried by hands at all times. <laughs> it is kind of a living Alexa, you know? <laughs> yeah. Did they ever establish benevolent ghosts or was this just like a thing that they just didn't really explain? Because every other spirit is evil in this series. Maybe it's just how he can just like move things with his mind. So I guess that's maybe just these weird ghosts that are just not involved. I don't fucking know. Let's go into why I failed so we can start trashing. <laughs> Zane, take us away with really what stood out to you is something that this series just dropped the bad. Don't drop the. Yeah, there's a lot of things. Um, yeah. <laughs> drop the ball. That's the expression. You did it, David. Mr. Sport over there. Yeah. yeah so take us away. Right off the bat, they seem to do a decent job of world building and like you kind of got the rules and then it quickly becomes very convoluted with the different powers that <laughs> and then there's like different factions of beings and they all have slightly different powers and uh, it's somehow complicated and repetitive at the same time because <laughs> then it also is, gets kind of boring because it's like how many times do we need to just see like, oh, this person who is being shitty is really just possessed and then it's just like back and forth between like oh they were this demon oh no they were this one from hell you won't believe how many years in hell this guy got i would love to have seen um like the logical conclusion to that i want to know how deep that goes because it seems like literally every negative uh emotion or thing that somebody does it's like oh that was a ghost so it's like well how much of our negative actions are influenced solely by ghosts i must know yeah, so that was one of the things I thought the series, like, kind of, I feel was going to get into problematic territory where they're just like, oh, well, you're depressed because you got a ghost in you. That's why people get sad. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's a magic silver bullet for every single psychological ailment. And I know this series was not going to be written well enough not to avoid that being ultimately a reading of how the ghosts influence human psychology. Right. That is more or less uh, kind of what happens, you know, like there's literally a ghost who exists to almost explain why old people get dementia. <laughs> there's a ghost who shows up to steal this little kid's grandma's memories. <laughs> but yeah, also, though, as we talked about, I don't know what the fuck anyone's motivation was in this series. As we talked about Big Smoke, they just fucking vape the whole time and are like, I'm evil because... Was that the one that had, like, the plan with, like, Haguma's aunt, but was being double-crossed, but, like... <laughs> Somehow he thought this, like, lady could kill God, and he was like, but I didn't think you could kill God, and so we... I don't fucking know. Yeah, well, and just God knew that everyone was, like, plotting to kill him, but it was just also chill about it. Here's the thing, killing God is probably pretty hard. You're like, yeah, you can play the piano, but that doesn't translate too well to being able to kill God. I mean, they do it at the end of every Shimagami Tensei game, so it can't be like that hard. But like, yeah, I see what you mean. If we're just talking about like, yeah, things that didn't work. The art was like, I thought it was actually like pretty good in a lot of places, but the action, it was very hard to follow. I couldn't really tell what was happening from like panel to panel. I just had to wait for somebody to be like, oh, there goes his hand. And I was like, OK, I guess. There was one shot where he was like riding a hand. It was like, did he turn into a centaur? 
I know the exact <laughs> shot you're talking about. I had the exact same thought. The art is not the style of art I would expect for this kind of series. Yeah. For lack of a better term, the art seems happier than you would expect for a series that's like about uh, hell and punishment. <laughs> you cannot use this art style for a mom killing her children. Yeah, Jesus. Oh, yeah, that whole story. That was, like, surprisingly brutal for this series. I thought that was going to come up again. Like, anytime somebody snaps, it seems to be a result of one of these spirits. And that's kind of how they know. Yeah, does that mean, like, anytime you, like, you don't, like, text someone back, is that just one of the <laughs> Sakuma? Possesses your finger that leave them on red. <laughs> I wouldn't mind a Sudama that gave a little confidence. Am I right, guys? <laughs> you know, there's a spirit for that. It's called alcohol. Oh, I'll have to look into that. That's my kind of spirit for confidence. <laughs> Talk about spirits. <laughs> there we go. That was the joke. <laughs> Thank you, Zane. I want to really hit it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just to make sure, dear audience. So alcohol can be called spirits and spirits like a ghost. And in this one, you get possessed like alcoholism. Yeah. The big thing about this series that I think really just hamstrung it was just how fucking contrived everything was. Like, I'm not a big stickler for plot holes, but like when this keeps happening, man, it's just like, it really bugs you and it really bogs it down because now I'm not thinking about how the characters are acting. I'm like, well, why aren't they doing this? Like, why don't the fucking um, squad of, pol of invisible policemen that are constantly following Higuma around don't do anything? Like, why even introduce them? This series asks questions and then doesn't want to answer them. So why did you ask? Just something that stood out to me as a spirit is like, we need to feed on energy or we die. And, you know, that's a fair point. They're not just saying spirits are evil because they have to be evil. They have to act like this. So there was a spirit that only fed on like people that were near death. So it didn't really matter, you know, if you're 95 years old, if you make it to 100 versus 97. And then the guy's like, that's still wrong. You're a bad spirit. And I'm like, okay, well then how else you handle it? This seems like the spirit is literally handling a terrible situation as benevolently as possible. And you are giving no solution to such just blanket saying you are evil there's no way you can ever be redeemed so i'm gonna kill you right yeah and i was like you should not have brought up this idea if you didn't want to actually have a serious conversation about how to handle this situation there's a lot of that throughout of bringing up these interesting like philosophical ideas because even like haguma you know his whole like inner conflict about like do these people just because they were in hell do they deserve to be punished but then yeah it does not like give any conclusion with that thing of like attacking the elderly they're just like well you still st shouldn't do it but like but they are old when Higuma transforms, he looks exactly like an SS officer. Yep. And then his fucking explanation for why he does it, it's his job. Yeah. <laughs> He's just doing his job, guys. Oh, come on, man. It was absolutely absurd. Also, the fact that torture seems to be the only way to redeem spirits. Like, they were like, that's it. If you're bad, you're just tortured for hundreds of years. And, like, it gives us message that torture in physical, like, imprisonment is the only way you can redeem someone, which is an absolutely terrible message given the nature of the prison systems in a lot of countries. Yeah, I mean, it's also like um, the Kitsune who they were talking to. And like the basic idea is that she got sent to hell because when she was a person, uh, she said she was completely unable to feel motherly love towards her child and wound up killing her child. And so the series on one hand, it's like, obviously, like, well, obviously, yeah, she killed her child. That fucking sucks. But it's also like the way it's presented, it makes it feel like this person had like some legitimate, like antisocial mental illness. And it's like, well, now she has to suffer for all of it eternity it's not enough that she was just like 
put in jail, which I, yeah, I totally understand that. But it's like tortured for all eternity due to like a supposed mental illness. And then it's also like, well, wait, so when she had that mental illness, was that a previous like Kitsune that also did that? Are all crimes caused by spirits or is it just mental illness only sometimes affects people really? You know, it's like all these weird questions. <laughs> just The author just didn't want to answer because the author is not skilled enough at writing to answer the questions that he's asking. And so why did he ask these questions? I'm like legitimately mad at the series now. <laughs> I'm just thinking about how badly fucked up like a really interesting idea. Exactly. Also, why the fuck did they have like a five chapter flashback arc like 15 chapters into the series? If there was anything that got this series canceled, it was that. Because I was reading it, I was like, I don't give a flying fuck about this dude's aunt. <laughs> and also like Ayaha and uh, the like other schoolmate cool guy. Kobatak. Which I think are like the fun characters. They completely disappear and they're, they barely come back too. Like, and it's really just this like... <sighs> repetitive thing of all these we just see all these conversations about like how they have to die and like you could tell the author was just like introducing these cool things like yeah there's the brisha and they have to have this symbol and there's hands and like they're only there to be cool for like one page you know or like one chapter and then there's no explanation how they all coexist it's very upsetting it's ridiculous it feels like the author like does world building and then forget that forgot that he did it he lives moment to moment. He didn't build any structural scaffolding. No one has any agency. It's literally like, bro, read One Piece. All right. Like, that's how you do good world building. That's how you make flashbacks interesting. Robin had her giant ass flashback right before like a huge amount of fights. And it was still rad as fuck. Come on, bro. You're in the same magazine, dude. Just fucking read One Piece. It's not that hard to know how to actually like make a not shitty manga. Okay, bro. It's easy peasy to be as good as One Piece. All right. <laughs> yes. But speaking of things we like, let's go into the positives. In terms of things that I liked about the series, I actually thought that despite the art style not really matching, there were definitely some very striking moments, like the first page having the hand cut off. There was this beautiful visual of like the demon behind the moon fighting the main character. So this is kind of like Beachy, where the art on a technical wasn't great, but there was a lot of really interesting composition and really adds again to the fact that this series wasn't phoned in. This was just an author really at the height of his actual abilities. This definitely feels like a first series. The author is absolutely not without talent, I will say. Mm -hmm. It has like an appealing art style. Uh, it definitely is an art style that feels more like Golem Hearts than uh, Demon Slayer. Yep. I also gotta say, I like some of the characters. I like Higuma. Mm -hmm. I think he's just kind of like a, a, a really likable guy. I like how he interacts with Ayaha, who seems very different, but she's also kind of a driven character, it feels like. You know, I guess her motivation is to repay a debt to Higuma, but you know, still. And you mentioned it in here, I really like that they show what they do in their spare time. Like, Higuma has all these floating hands. He'll just play 3DS with them. I noticed that. No one had switches. I thought that was a little weird. It's very strange. <laughs> There was a moment with two uh, 3DSs, and I think one was very clearly supposed to be the 3DS XL, and I was like, oh, that's cool. I like that. <laughs> Zane, how about you, though? What were some positives? The, like, first couple chapters are really strong, I think. Higuma and all his, like, powers and, like, this idea, which is, like, easy enough to understand. People have all these bad attributes that are usually just a demon. 
So, like, I do think it, like, starts pretty strong. Even though it's also a negative, I did, like, there's these ideas about, like, is, like, one sin worth it to be tortured for all eternity? Like, kind of, Higuma himself has, like, imposter syndrome. He's like, yeah, who am I to, like, bring these people to justice? There's also kind of this, like, reach across the aisle idea, though, which I didn't exactly like, but... (laughs) Both sides, (laughs) yeah. Basically, his whole thing is like, well, maybe if we forgive these demons, we can all just live together. You know, it's basically. But I like that they at least introduce the idea, the demon that kills her child. Because she was like, hey, am I evil just because I wanted to, I didn't have love for my child? Now, she shouldn't have killed it. But uh, I feel like that kind of has a prescient idea, like in how we believe, like, if you're uh, a parent, that's like the most important job you have. And I like that kind of subversive on that. I completely agree, especially because, like, we're not just talking about should she go to prison. It's like, no, should she be put in uh, eternal torment? The author was really trying to uh, ask some questions here. Like, he wasn't just resting on the fact that it's like, yeah, here's the good guys and here's the bad guys, which is something that I kind of expect from a lot of anime and manga. The author was at least trying to uh, dig into some of these philosophical questions around, like, policing and the, the concept of punishment. Yeah, now does he come to any conclusions that are satisfying? No. no. I'm just asking questions here, okay? (laughs) This is some fucking lib energy where you're like, oh, we got a (laughs) devil's advocate the series where it's like, I'm not here to come with solutions, just identify problems. The radical center. Both sides are the same. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It kind of defeats the purpose. I didn't vote for him twice. (laughs) (laughs) It is such a... uh, so emblematic because it's trying to ask all these questions about like policing and like I mean I'm reading a series about a cop who fights demons I mean I think I know where you're landing on this overall like uh, border there which is that Egum is not gonna suddenly be like damn you know what you're right this does suck I'm gonna stop being a hell warden and that's just gonna be the series now (laughs) yeah it certainly just undercuts any of those ideas because you know nothing's gonna change and eventually he's just like Well, I guess I'll just do it. Yeah, like... It really does just feel like, "Eh, yeah, I guess it is kind of kind of my job. And like, I don't know, maybe if the series had kept going, that would have built on him more and more. But like towards the it just felt like um, at the end, it was like, oh, well, I guess that didn't go anywhere, huh? I did love, though, when uh, Ayaha was like, you're doing this job you don't even like and it's and it's like shortening your life by the day. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds like my cheesemonger job. I thought the same thing. I'm like, I'm like, damn. That was very relatable. And I think very like current. That was honestly like the most um, poignant political statement in the <laughs> series. I'm like, like, damn, he's right. Sometimes these jobs just do fucking suck. And you're like, why am I even doing this when it's actively killing me? Yeah, they're draining your life force and you want nothing to do with it. Well, it's barely draining it, except like in his process of healing, it um, drains his life force further. Are you guys familiar with uh, Cruelty Squad at all? I heard about that game. It is this really weird game that I love and am terrible at. 
It looks like a completely surrealist, like, 90s first-person shooter. The graphics are all blocky, but, like, the actual graphic design is, like, fucking insane and disorienting. And the premise is basically you're a gig worker and your gig is assassination. And when you die, there is... You get a message from your... The people who own you who, like are your boss basically like yeah so you died so we just without asking we decided to give you a new robot body that'll keep coming back to life but uh we charged you for all of that so now we own you through death oh it's a chainsaw man Mm. yeah it's the chainsaw man mentality kind of this uh wow we talked about chainsaw man again we still haven't organically mentioned gomez so we'll see if that happens the best cat in manga (laughs) Oh, also, I thought it was very impressive that these main characters didn't seem super annoying because they all had personality traits that should have made them really annoying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I actually like didn't hate anyone in this series. Hats off to you, Mangaka, for not writing any really annoying characters. Well, specifically, uh, Higuma. So, Zane, what happens usually in a lot of series, it happened in Tokyo Shinobi Squad, when a character is a slacker, what'll typically happen is we follow the character who's called a slacker and just watch as he never slacks off, like never takes a break. And everyone's just like, ah, you fucking slacker. And it's like, we just saw him kill like three demons and save the world. What the fuck are you talking about? I brought up how Higuma has a 3DS. I really liked that because it was like, okay, look, he really is just like chilling out okay that's cool yeah that was another <laughs> yeah. positive is they actually show people like what they do in their downtime and they show Higuma doing things with his powers like recreationally like that whole we made jokes about how he uses it to like hold toilet paper but he probably actually does do that oh easily yeah and so that was just nice flavoring that's very rare like that's one of the things that we most respect about Chainsaw Man is like after a big arc you just see all the main characters going to a bar and hanging out I also really like the hands. It's a really cool idea. How they're used is interesting. I absolutely find their use out of battle far more interesting than their use in battle. Because in battle, they're kind of just like, I get to punch you more. But like, yeah, out of battle, it is cool where it's just like, oh, I get to use them for other things. I mean, and then, of course, in battle, too, it's also like, oh, now it's not a hand. Now it's a club, which was very confusing. Yeah. It's a cool thing. I do feel like, though, it it draws attention to how underused they are a little bit because it's like, yeah, each one has a number. Do they each have like personality? Do they help with different things? And it's like, why are there scenes where he doesn't use them? I don't know. But they were cool. There you go. There was definitely a lot of interesting ideas here. And what is upsetting about this series is it just doesn't expand on them. It doesn't <laughs> go in depth. And it isn't just the short runtime. Like, there's no reason why you could have cut out the many moments in which Ayaha turns to uh, Higuma and was like, so Higuma, this thing that happened in the last chapter, that was kind of weird. Why did that happen? And then Higuma's like, you know, uh, Roku didn't talk in the last chapter because he didn't have anything to say to you and you would have been confused. Like, oh, okay. Maybe instead of that part, you could have had Higuma talking to one of the disembodied hands or something or having them do like something interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like, though, this is actually really great into where it could have gone territory. So do you guys want to just move over to that section? Yeah. Jordan, so what would you really say is kind of a direction you would have liked to have seen the series go into if it hadn't been canceled? Well, the first big one is it's something that I just get from the art design and stuff and how the author talked about this. I think Akagane looks almost exactly like an older Higuma. And they keep mentioning how um, there is this nebulous big bad spirit that we never meet. Oh, yeah, the grandpa, right? They call him the old man. 
Yes. They just vaguely mention him. Definitely, if this series had gone on to, say, 100 chapters, the final battle would have absolutely been against the old man. So Akagane, my theory is that Akagane was the original, um, because what they keep saying is one of our ancestors let the old man out. So I think Akagane was the ancestor who let the old man out of jail. I think that's at least very clearly what the author is implying through, uh, like, visually, especially from how what Akagane does is he specifically hunts Higuma's family. Mm-hmm. I feel like that was at least just the most direct way to tie all those things together. I want to point out that one of my guesses in the chibi was that he was going to have a relative that worked for the big bad. So I'm going to count this as a point on the scoreboard. No, David. Boy, boy. I'm pretty sure that was my guess. <laughs> mm, I don't think so. I'd love to go to the big board. We're going to have a... We'll let the audience determine that. Do I have to be impartial on this? Okay. Yeah. Zane, what do you think? Who, who deserves this point more? I actually think I subconsciously thought this. So. <laughs> I'm going to get the, the chibi notes up. All right. I said that. Oh, man. Damn. Jordan was right. All right. <laughs> yes. You got me. <laughs> this would have made me three for three. I would have gotten all three guesses right. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Damn. You're so much better at this than me, but that's okay. Hey, man, I, I, I know how edgy people think. You're right. <laughs> like Zane, when you mentioned that you lived in uh, Buffalo, my initial response was, oh, the place where Cannibal Corps are from. Oh, God. I'm surprised I didn't know that, actually. Well, now you do. They love goo-goo dolls here. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember someone was like, they made, someone made a Lady Gaga goo-goo doll smash-up called Goo-Goo Gaga. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Only a place evil enough for the goo-goo dolls could produce cannibal corpse. <laughs> Maybe the goo stands for uh, Galia, so goo-goo Galia. Tell us about where you think this could have gone. Nice. They were already, like, even in this short period, repeating kind of the same storyline, <laughs> like the same general thing. So I don't think it would have gone here, but it would have been interesting if Haguma, like, just, like, stopped being a Hell Warden and yep. that world is keep trying to, like, creep in. But, you know, he's trying to move on and, like, avoid it. And, like, uh, I don't know, maybe um, something cool where, like, Ayashima and who's the other? Is it Yabado? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe they kind of take over as, like, the main Hell Wardens. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. Do you mean the two twins who show up in the second to last chapter out of absolutely nowhere? And they're just like, hey. I actually was not talking about them because I forgot about them. (laughs) Yeah, like, hey, what's up, everybody? We're Higuma's cousins. We're also Hell Wardens. How you doing? And it just never matters. They do nothing. (laughs) I thought they were the ghosts of his... Dad and aunt for a while, actually. <laughs> it is absolutely implied when they show up. Higuma is at least supposed to be thinking, is that my dad and aunt? And it's like, no, it's your fucking cousins. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, maybe more blurring of the line of the of him trying <laughs> yeah. to help. Because it was kind of interesting whenever they did that. Any of the Hell Wardens trying to like uh, team up with the uh, demons. Yeah, that was easily the most interesting aspect of the series when they would ask, ask those questions. Yeah. Because what they what they sort of do that I think is interesting is they abstract Enma, like King Enma, into a system. They, like, they specifically say Enma is a system. So it's like, okay, this author is trying to have some kind of social critique. I'm just not sure he even realizes what his critique is. It's literally Rage Against the Machine where you have an avatar that represents the bureaucracy of a system. He even says he's not a real person. He's just an avatar of an ideology and he doesn't have emotions, which is, you know, very much a viewpoint of how people probably view a lot of politicians as not really being people. Politicians are people? 
But then they say they do give him a personality or something. Like, <laughs> maybe that's just for fun. The series, he writes what makes it most interesting in the moment versus being internally consistent. <laughs> right. I would argue he doesn't always write what's most interesting in the moment. No, what he thinks is most interesting, <laughs> okay, Jordan. Yeah, yeah, if okay. he wrote what was most interesting in the moment, the series probably wouldn't have been canceled because it would have been interesting. You got a point. I would agree. Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> George oh, okay. is like, why couldn't he have just written better? Why couldn't he have just done good ideas? If I was a writer, I simply wouldn't write bad ideas. <laughs> Not that hard to be as good as One Piece, guys. <laughs> yeah, come on. <laughs> I also want more Grandma USA, who we have not... <laughs> I was reading yesterday, July 4th, and I was like, wow, I feel so patriotic reading this Japanese comic. Oh, yeah. It was very fitting. for We had the fireworks, Grandma USA. Yeah. She is not a character. Grandma USA, or USA, or whatever you're supposed to pronounce that. I'm going to call it USA because it's funnier. That 30 Rock thing where it's like, handmade in USA, you're like, no, no, handmade in USA. <laughs> She literally exists as a picture. They're just like, um, oh, yeah, I hung out with Grandma Usa. And then they just show a picture of Grandma Usa smiling. And that's it. You oh, never yeah. see her in any <laughs> other context. She isn't standing next to anybody. She's like just a photo. I call it. She's going to be a fucking tiny ass lady. <laughs> Overall, though, my main thing is that yeah, this this real series would have been really cool if, if it was like the psychological approach to battle shown and where. You actually actively are monitoring the mental health of all the characters, asking why are people doing the things they are? People aren't just evil because of the sake of evil, which would have been a good contrast with this whole, they're literally people from hell that are being punished for their sins and giving a sense of redemption. But the series didn't either have the time or the quality of writing to really talk about that in a very competent way. Or like, what if, um, because we mentioned how these uh, these demons represent mental illness and sudden sudden onset, like, snaps, like the, somebody just snaps and decides to kill their kid or whatever. I would have liked for their designs to represent that. Like, there are other anime where it's like, uh, oh, this is the demon that represents a mother killing her child. That demon would have been like a really weird looking lady monster with like dead kids hanging off her body and like knives attached to her back or some shit. And and it's like, instead, it's like, oh, she's just like an attractive kitsune. Okay. Or if they like tried to use that to like explain things from history, like real life killers. Lee Harvey Oswald was a, was a Sudama. <laughs> oh my God, that would have kicked ass. <laughs> All right, guys. Now we have to go after the demon that killed <laughs> <Yeah>. JFK. <laughs> the US government. Oh. That's why nobody can figure out the conspiracy. It was a demon. They have to fight Usa. <laughs> She just has a fucking sniper rifle in her hand, <laughs> materializes a sniper rifle, and it's like, oh, you caught me, finally. <laughs> I'm thinking, like, well, this is a Japanese manga, and, you know, Japan had all the history from the USA. What does this mean? And it's just that her name's Usa. <laughs> we are 100% in miscellaneous false territory right now. I just want to say that. So let's transition. Cha-cha-cha, Sly. <laughs> Besides how his grandma killed JFK, Zane, do you have any other miscellaneous thoughts? <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, that's definitely canon. Yeah. May as well be, yeah. As soon as a concept seems cool, they, like, get rid of it and then introduce a whole new thing that does not matter at all. Remember when they were like, oh, you know how you do have those cool hands? We also have cool mouths. Yeah, what? Those twins who show up out of nowhere and they make a big deal about how they're white hell wardens, which they never mention. They never explain at all. <laughs> no. They just say, oh, they're white. <laughs> Yeah, basically. And Higuma is black, I guess. And I guess black hell wardens use hands and white hell wardens use mouths. That sounded more sexual than I thought. All right. <laughs> I got you, man. Don't worry about it. You got me. You got me. Yeah. 
I knew that there would be someone that used something other than hands. <laughs> As we talked about the fucking the dude in the <laughs> basement that they don't let anyone talk about who controls the demon penises. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's 100% would have been the hentai parody if the series was famous. Someone definitely would have made about some dude who controlled floating dicks. It was right there. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Probably first draft of the series and you had to change it to hands. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, miscellaneous thoughts. When we talk about Golden Parts, I also think a series that reminds me of a lot is Our Blood Oath, where I feel that mm. series also had a lot of very similar energy. Jordan, I know you like this series a lot more if you want to tell Zane a little bit about it and if you think the series also kind of has a similar DNA. So I kind of see what you mean, because uh, the thing about Our Blood Oath is it had a similar situation where you read it and like it tries to have this uh, more nuanced take on morality. Mm -hmm. That involved vampires where the main characters were vampires who were fighting against other vampires and stuff. And yeah, it was like, uh, uh, I don't remember the exact stuff, but it had a lot of stuff about like, is it right to do revenge or right to like attack people or stuff? I think it handled it a lot better than Kigama did. At least those those specific philosophical quandaries. It was also a flop. It also had issues, you know? Oh, no, I spoiled it. But, like, it really did feel like the author just wasn't able to really understand what they were working with. They weren't really able to fully arrange their interesting ideas into something that became fully compelling. Yeah, I completely agree. Also, I think the guy who wrote Our Blood Oath is also just has a better understanding of comics than this guy does, to be honest. Mm -hmm. That's fair. I also really was wondering what the maximum, like, largest number we would see. I assume he was saving a four-digit number for a special occasion, so probably the old man had a four-digit number. I'm just imagining if this were, like, a platinum game, it would have been, like, time in hell, infinite, for, like, the final guy, yeah. <laughs> that did really hurt the stakes a little bit, that all they could really do was keep, like, adding digits. <laughs> like, that was how it was supposed to be, like, really extreme every time, and I'm like, all right, just Growing numbers is getting a little old. It's not that exciting. Is that their power level? And also, how come when these demons are tortured, they get stronger? What the fuck? I just imagine, though, if the dude who made Chainsaw Man, he would have done it where it's like a zero and a zero just fills up like a two page spread. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fujimoto would have killed this. So Zane, there is this insanely cool part in Chainsaw Man where this demon goes and starts killing everyone. And he prints the name of every single civilian that is killed by this demon. And it's just like four pages of just reading people's names. It's fucking awesome. Yeah. That's around the time that Bill Clinton sacrifices one year off of everybody's life in America. No, it was Donald Trump. No, it was not because Chainsaw Man takes place in 1997, David. Yes, you're right. It's in 1997 where the Soviet Union still exists, Jordan. It's clearly not based in reality. So in this alternate reality, Donald Trump became the president in the 90s. I get you, yes. David. Okay. Yes, that's sure. what I'm saying. All he right, ran whatever. for president several times. <laughs> Jordan, AIDS doesn't exist anymore or the Holocaust because the chainsaw demon ate the Holocaust yes, demon. So the Holocaust never happened. That and that's canon. Happen. It's canon. Okay? I wish you guys would stop bringing up this definitely more interesting thing to read. I got to check this out. <laughs> All right, fuck it. Let's go to final verdict yeah. so we can talk about Chainsaw Man. <laughs> I'll lead off the six word summary. I had one that was like a D&D &D reference because I've been thinking about it, but this one made me inspired through the Jordan book. I wrote one while we were making it. So mine is Demon Slayer with Big Lib Energy. <laughs> uh, mine is Sentenced to Hell for Plot Contrivance. Oh, that's good. How about you, Zane? College freshman trying to sound intellectual. Bigly Smartman. Yeah, I, I definitely got the vibe. This guy's like, what, 22, 23? There are some cool, cool things. I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> 
it wasn't bad. I, I, I actually, I guess on that note, I, I really was very tempted to say this is not a flop, but I just, I feel like I got to give it a flop because it just had so many, it really just lost points for having potential that I just shit on. Yeah, I completely agree. I think if this series didn't have characters just randomly asking really insightful questions and being poorly answered, I would have said maybe this actually wasn't a flop, but I'm just so mad that it ruined what really is a cool idea. Totally agree. That's my exact thing. Like at the halfway point of reading this, I was like, is this not a flop? But like, no, it is. It just makes so many mistakes and just is a very poorly arranged series. It squanders a lot of its good ideas. I mean, I will say the very fact that after we just shat on it for like a lot of this uh, (laughs) episode, the fact that we're considering it not to be a flop is kind of indicative of the fact that we really think that this had good ideas. Like this wasn't like shitty. It just wasn't good. (laughs) Yeah. And then how about you, Zane? Because I'm also on that fence. Again, the first manga I have ever read in any regard. First comic of any kind I've read. I want to call this not a flop. I'm going to go with not a flop, actually. Whoa! Hey! Nice! Just for the pure fact that I followed it, I at least was entertained. (laughs) But I do agree, like, during our talk, I've hated it way more because (laughs) it could have been so much better. The thing that annoys me is that it was ambitious for no reason. Like, it could have been much simpler and much better or smarter and better. But he was just like, let's make this this base level and then add all these things that are going to go nowhere. I'm going to just, like, get underwater and, like, start drowning as soon as I bring up all these things, even though it could have been good. <laughs> Maybe I'm, I'm too nice. This could have continued. And I, reading the comments on this, uh, on the site that I read this on, which I think was very legal. <laughs> oh. People like this. Oh, I love those comment sections on this. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I wanted to get a lot of perspectives, so I read a lot of... <laughs> oh my god. So, Jordan, since this was considered a flop, what do you think people should check out instead? Honestly, Yu Yu Hakusho. Ah, oh, that's good. Yeah, because, like, first of all, Yu Yu Hakusho literally translates, we mentioned this earlier, to a spirit detective. <laughs> it also literally has, like, King Enma as a character, both a child and an adult, so I kind of do feel like this author really likes Yu Yu Hakusho a lot. But I also just feel like Yu Yu Hakusho is a strong, far stronger series. Yeah. Similarly, I was going to recommend Demon Slayer. Not an obscure reference, though I did read it before it got big, so I can flux on yeah. people where I read Demon Slayer in like 2017. Unlike Yu Yu Hakusho, which is like the most obscure deep cut you could possibly come. <laughs> it outsold One Piece last year, so it's bigger than Yu Yu Hakusho. Damn. Zane, though, since you actually like this series, since you haven't read any manga or comics, <laughs> what is your favorite piece of media? Of all time? Your favorite piece of visual media. Oh, okay. The Scream series. <laughs> How does this compare to the Scream series? <laughs> That's a lot more clear. It knows what it's doing. It's a satire, the Scream series. So I would say this is way more frazzled than (laughs) to compare this manga to a very different thing, the Scream series. It is not as good. I would rather guys watch any 90s neo slashers. Those are my favorites. So watch that over reading this. But you could read this. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Zane, for context, if Jordan and I think something is not a flop, we say, how does it compare to to, uh, Chainsaw Man? Yeah, okay. we're not joking oh. by the fact that we bring up Chainsaw Man all the fucking time. There's a built in Chainsaw Man comparison in every wow, episode. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I thought that was just so relevant. I thought you guys had just been talking about that recently. Yeah, dear okay. listener, listeners are like, this guy, this guy doesn't get it. Well, we have been talking about it recently, but we've been talking about it unrecently, too. <laughs> <laughs> 
So the final thing that before we go to shout outs is Jordan, is this the worst series we've ever read? God, no. <laughs> yeah, no, this is this is a straight six out of ten. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And then are you guys ready to go to shout outs? Absolutely. Yeah. Props to Jordan for making the opening and ending theme and being a great co-host. Props to Shannon for the awesome cover art. You can find her online at Illuminati and Nigel for being our generous art benefactor. Thank you for Tucker for assistance with pronunciation, translation, and other miscellaneous research. Be sure to check out Shonen Flop Guide and his companion series, which will come out later this week. That goes into further details on the, on a topic that was discussed in this manga. I also want to thank Miriam, Nicole, and Audie for their help with social media. And if you haven't yet, be sure to join the Shonen Flop Discord. Come hang out with us and talk about anime games or whatever else you want to talk about. We also have a book club and do regular movie nights. You can find a link to it in our link tree in our bio. And a reminder, if you've been enjoying the show, to please like, review, and share it. It really helps us a ton. And that you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Shonen Flopcast and our website, shonenflop.com. We're also on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever else you get your podcasts. And then Zane, above all, I want to thank you for taking the time to be on our show today. Where can they find you? This is great. Um, I'm at, at ZBGolia on Twitter, ZaneGolia on YouTube. I got a bunch of my super cuts on there if you guys want to. <laughs> kind of the only real content. <laughs> oh my God, the... Uh, getting his name, damn it. The Jonathan Frakes. <laughs> yeah. You just have a super cut of like a bunch of super cuts of Jonathan Frakes just like asking questions and stuff. I loved it. <laughs> Please, guys, check that out. It's m- most of what I have to my name out there. So I'd appreciate <laughs> that. I'm struggling trying to write some screenplays. So, hey, DM me if you want to give notes on them. I will uh, send them to you. I don't care. Are there any floating hands in your screenplays? As we've been doing this podcast, I've been adding one to every scene, actually. Okay, good. Okay, good. Oh, my God. You guys are a bunch of goose. I just want to thank David for doing all the editing, helping put the podcast together, laying out the structure. Thanks a lot, man. You do a lot of good work. Oh, well, thank you, man. It was great. And then Jordan, it was awesome to see you in person yesterday. We forgot to take a photo, but that's okay. Thank you so much for joining us. This has been David. This has been Jordan. And this has been Zane. And you've been listening to Shonen Flop. Keep on flopping, floppers. Yeah.